Hello and welcome back to Chitheads. My name is Khalid and I am one of the learning navigators at Embodied Philosophy and I'm excited to open up today's episode with Ava Taylor, which was previously recorded as part of Embodied Philosophy's Future of the Yoga Teacher Summit. Ava Taylor, founder of Yama Talent, is a tenacious entrepreneur and avid yogi. Committed to running an ethics-based business, her personal mission is to be a catalyst for better living, bringing the tools of wellness to communities of all kinds. Ava has pioneered the development of the booking, management, and consulting business in the yoga space, and is a sought-out media contributor known for having her finger on the pulse of this rapidly expanding industry. She's the creator of The Catalyst, online business school for yogis, and author of the forthcoming Yoga Business with Human Kinetics. In this episode, Ava and Jacob discuss the yoga industry climate pre-pandemic and how it's transforming today, the link between grief and creativity, and opportunities, innovations, and possibilities for a sustainable future of yoga. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Ava. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. It's so nice to be able to meet you. This is actually the first time we've met. And uh, so I'm really delighted to have this opportunity to chat with you about topics that I think are going to be really at the forefront or are at the forefront of a lot of people's minds, especially those who are in this event, who are yoga teachers, who are trying to kind of survive in this current milieu, this post-pandemic yoga world. And so I'm going to focus a lot today on conversations around this particular topic of, of you know, pretty practical, pragmatic questions about the future of, of yoga business. And of course, you are uniquely qualified to talk about that as the founder of Yama Talent. And so I'm just delighted that you're here. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was um you know, before COVID, the future of yoga was a, a thing, a topic that I would regularly be, you know, sort of requested to to chime in on. And it hadn't happened, you know, for like three full years. No one has actually asked me this question. So then I, of course, had to ask it of myself, which was super interesting. So I was even thinking, oh, I don't know what's going to come up, you know, because it it has been such a moment, you know, between where we were and where we are now and where we're going. So I'm thrilled that this is happening and that these conversations are, you know, that we're in a place and in a time where we can actually in relatively good faith start to talk about, you know, what the future is going to be. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And that what you just said actually kind of leads me to the question or rather helps me to frame it, which is, um, you know, obviously we have this huge shift that took place. So maybe could you reflect a little bit on how you saw yoga evolving or what the kind of climate was like pre-pandemic and sort of some of the features of, of how it's really transformed, just so we're all kind of all on the same page with regards to that? Definitely. Um, I mean, my goodness, I started my business in 2010. So, um, and I had been working in yoga, I've been practicing about 20 years and sort of working exclusively in, in yoga since 2006. So we, I have watched the birth of, on, you know, the very first online yoga platform, 
right? The, literally the Instagram, right? The, the birth of all these things and also been privileged to study with some of the original lineage holders, right? So sort of kind of bridging that, that um, I think that sort of old school, new school um, kind of development of the yoga space. So really part of things as yoga became popular. And again, I'm based in New York City. So my experience, I have lived in Europe um, for a handful of years. And of course, our clients have toured all around the world. So really like global um, network and, and sort of witnessing what's been happening globally. But, you know, my particular perspective will be framed by the, by the American experience. And what's interesting about that is before COVID, what, um, and I'll go still go back a little bit, but basically what we had lived in the United States was then being followed and modeled in other regions around the world. So Western Europe, you know, was sort of then sort of next um, developing market, right? So the reason I was um, so regularly asked for about trends was because that arc of what we had seen and lived here in the States was then happening in Europe, was then happening in Asia, was then happening in Australia, right? And then um, following its way around the globe. So it's been a super interesting you know, it was up until COVID a really interesting ride. So there was the advent of social media, there was the birth of, you know, the online yoga space, um, you know, a real sort of, you know, maybe a, um, a zenith almost, you know, especially the way that I'm looking at it now in hindsight of a sort of uh, level of uh, fame, right, that can be achieved for yoga teachers, right, and I'm I'm all for it. I'm I'm equally happy for the studio around the corner to get a great new water cooler as I am for, you know, a client that I'm here with today in New York during Tartan Week, who's you know sort of rock star kilted yogi with multiple books and television shows, and right. So for me, the message of my company is trying to get yoga into the hands of as many people as possible, and so we're going to use media, we're going to use. Um, you know, kind of by any means necessary, right, to get the message out there. But there's definitely been, you know, there was a, there was a moment, and it's part of the reason that I started the agency where yoga teachers didn't realize that they were valuable, right? They didn't consider themselves to be talent. And so that was part of what we created because the industry was taking yoga, right, in a very path, in a path similar to the way a professional athlete would be treated or a famous chef, right, or an actor, so um, some of the things that that happened that are noticeably different now from COVID, we used to run a really big uh, touring business. So in 2019, you know, and from 2010 to 2019, we've done everything you could think of. The world's largest yoga classes. We've done all the sports endorsements, the Adidas deals. There are two or three different television shows, you know, everything, building yoga schools, helping yoga um teacher training programs development. I do a lot of work with the Yoga Alliance and just kind of understanding how to structure tools, right? To help teachers learn how to thrive, right? From a business perspective. So all of those things, um, but we had like 200 gigs booked all around the world, you know? And they, so every weekend there would be, you know, my phone would be going, you know, keeping an eye, there's itineraries and teachers traveling. And it was really robust business. Um, people were hungry for education, right? So there was one part of it that was entertaining, right? The sort of conferences and festivals, which, um, you know, had popped up all around the world. And then of course, uh, more pure educational components. So we had teachers who were going to teach anatomy, teaching philosophy, right? Within different teacher training programs around the world. So that piece in particular is very distinctly um, 
gone. You know, I would say that pre-COVID to now, and this is for some teachers, I mean, I have some of the most, you know, I've been blessed to um, to support some of the most well-known teachers on the planet. And it's a fraction of what, of what the business was before that. So I think that sort of, um, you know, just the, the global, the globalism, you know, I think most, most regions kind of had to hug in, you know, obviously travel was not, we weren't even allowed to travel for quite a long time. And there was so much loss in the actual spaces, like the venues that we were traveling to. I mean, at least half of the studios who, you know, and conferences and festivals, if not more, I mean, here in the States, I think it's, it's close to like 70%. I mean, it was, Mm -hmm. COVID was extremely devastating for the venues and the places that we would be going um, to perform or to teach or to, you know, to deliver, to deliver the yoga. So that side of things has definitely um, been destroyed. And within that, I think that there's, it's not only the places that we were going, but I think there's also like an underlying, um, it's almost like, a, you know, the, it's one part, like a sort of career path, but it's also the way I describe it is like, if you do this, then you'll get that right. The sort of culture of achievement has also been broken, I feel. So for instance, if you were coming mm-hmm. up under a particular lineage, you knew, right? Okay, great. Well, if I finish my 200 hour and then get my 300 hour, I can become X and I can start teaching and I can create a certain career modeled after other people who have come up and done that right in the space. And that also has been, has been broken. Um, So I think those are probably like the two biggest, the two biggest pieces of what's different. Um, but I could go, I mean, this could be a whole conversation just into itself about, you know, the difference in the reality now, right, of mm-hmm. what the yoga industry is and, and what it was, um, what it was before COVID. I mean, for me, it's unrec- it's unrecognizable. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that's, thank you for that's going into the detail around that, because I think it's, it is a uh, a sort of powerful illustration of just how much things have changed and you and and this I found it really interesting what you said about the culture of achievement and how and how that kind of link between I mean even just at the level of like I can think of particularly large studios that had sort of you know you become a teacher and then you could you could kind of um you could become a teacher there teaching community classes and then you could somehow grow up and there would be a business framework for you to survive in and many of those have have been kind of devastated so that's the bad news (laughs) what is what's the good news like what do you see now as being fruitful opportunities in this space and how do you think that yoga teachers and to some degree practitioners, do we need to just be thinking completely differently about the possibilities of yoga? Do we need to try to rebuild to some degree what was before? What what do you feel like the opportunities are there and how could we think more innovatively about um, a sustainable future for yoga? Yeah, thank you. And I I love that, um, you know, I do believe that the challenges are all opportunities, you know, as hard as the past three years has been as much as, you know, personally, I have lost professionally, I have lost, I mean, it is like full, it's a whole nother webinar, I'd be happy to go into the details of it, but it was, it was really devastating. And, um, and, and 
I was always clear that it's all, it was also a tremendous opportunity. You know, one of the things that we did right in the beginning of, um, of, of COVID, I was doing a series of small business help desk, like right in the beginning, like the, the first few weeks of lockdown, I got partnered up with Yoga Alliance and we were just helping people all around the country, uh, country and all around the world, just trying to figure out like how, what was happening, how to sustain, what kind of tools do you need, networking resources, leveraging resources, like really supporting each other. And, um, you know, one of the things that was really interesting was how many people were living lives at that point that weren't working for them, mm. right? So whether it was uh, particular studio owners coming to mind in Spain, you know, that's a really dear friend of mine. And she was so busy teaching. She was never home for dinner with her family. And she was so busy, you know, grinding and just, she was making herself sick. And, you know, we had this break, this pause, right? This great pause to reflect. And, you know, I think for many of us, and this is myself included, like when we really looked at how we were doing what we're doing, the why is always pure, right? Most of us are really here for a pure, with a pure purpose in mind. Um, but the how of it, right? The, the, the running that we were doing, the pace that we were, we were living our lives, maybe the priorities right? Maybe our priorities were not as, um, you know, as nurturing and, uh, you know, nourishing as they could be for us, right? So we got this great gift when everything stopped. And when everything, um, I, I say, I often, you know, I say that it was destroyed, because I like to think about it like building blocks, like there was a building, there was a structure, and, it, and then the pieces all kind of fall to the ground. And so, Jacob, to answer the question, what we're doing now is an opportunity to refashion, reform, rebuild with those pieces, but I don't see the structure becoming the same. It has to be reimagined. And I think it has to be reimagined because the world is different. We are different. And um, that for the most part, I think most people, if you really ask them, was it working for you? Right. And this is, these are financially successful people, right? It, there was a, there was a lot of folks who were living in a way that wasn't sustainable or wasn't as, as um, nourishing as it could be. So now that we've had that pause and that gift, it, it is quite easy to go back to go, well, let me just put it back together the way that it was before. But I think that's missing the gift of what this moment has given us. That being said, um, you know, how to be innovative and how to be creative, right, is really difficult. And I think there's a couple of things, um, and I love that you asked, I really looked at this question that you sent over for me, because I looked at, there's, you know, my first reaction to the question was, we have no choice but to reimagine because, because the world's different, because we're different, and then, but it was the how, right? So I definitely want to, want to share my thoughts on the literal, like, well, how do we do it? Okay, great. We got to reimagine, we have to start thinking about things differently, but how do we do it? And um, one of the big pieces of the how for me is um, spending some time with the, in, a, in a grieving process. Mm. Um, I definitely have personally needed to grieve for what, for what was, right? And you guys are seasoned, right? You're all practitioners, facilitators. So I think that, you know, we know that we're not to be attached to things and we're all attached <laughs> to things. And so, you know, 
whether it was a good break and a good shift, right? And this is a, and this is a good future that we're we're heading towards, right? Um, it's still really hard, right? If a lot of us sit with loss of community, loss of identity, loss of finances, you know, and we've all got personal things, right? You know, but your business losses are real, right? That change and what what was before. So I think before you can get to the place of being innovative and creative, you really do have to sit with and grieve what, what was. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely something uh, important for me that I've been working with my clients on and, you know, and just been in conversation and community with, you know, we had a huge um, staff meeting, you know, last week that I was able to sit in at one of the organizations that I work for. And, um, you know, it's just letting people grieve you know, letting people grieve in a professional setting, right? The difference in what business had been for them. So there's definitely that piece um, that I think creates space for the new, right? We all were, we've all been surviving, right? You're running a very successful, you know, business and a platform. And so there was part of the, um, we were like catching what was being thrown at us right? The whole time, the minute COVID hit, right? Here comes the ball. Great. I got to get online. Boom. And then it's just like, it's just coming and we're catching things. And now I feel like at this three-year anniversary where things are stable enough, you know, that we can start to be intentional about what we're going to create moving forward. I think now a lot of us are finally just being like, oh my God, what just happened here? And so I encourage everybody to sit in that space and to take that opportunity to do that because if you can it's just going to help you clear the air to be able to get the stamina the create you know the it's hard to be imaginative right mm. it's hard to start from scratch again right it's real easy to say well throw it all out the window and build it new but i was i was trying to hold on to whatever threads of what i had from before because i was like this is i gotta start from scratch again i don't have the energy and the bandwidth to <laughs> to recreate Right. So um, the the grieving process, the taking the pause, you know, will give you a, a, a time to rest, a time to to let go, which will help with the creativity and the innovation that's required um, okay. to move forward. So that's a big how. Um, and then the other how there's just finding um, finding clarity, right, which we know through the practice is so important. Um, just to be able to um, to hear and feel what we want, right? And I know this is maybe a little bit of a, maybe this wasn't the way that, that you expected the answer to come, you know, as a business person, but this is definitely where I am right now in, well, what do I really want? Because I can see all these pieces and I have done my grieving. <laughs> there was, and there was so much to grieve for. And now I'm really looking at it in this like liminal space where I'm like, okay, I'm not in that room anymore. I was just talking to um, Octavia Rahim yesterday, who's a wonderful teacher based out of Atlanta. And she, she gave me this metaphor, you know, this illustration visual of it. You know, she's like, well, you're not in the old room anymore. You're like in the hallway, you know, mm -hmm. on the way to the next room. And so I'm like fully in this, what do I want? And fully confident that I can build it once I'm clear on what it is. But right now, just working on 
the, the feeling, um, the feeling, feeling into it. And it, it is extremely uncomfortable. I'm just checking one of the comments. Um, it, it's definitely uncomfortable. You know, I am like, a, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a hustler, I'm a type, I can get it done. I can, you know, eat, Same. work, you know, like the whole thing. <laughs> so for me to be in this, like, I don't know, and I'm okay with not knowing is wild. Like it's literally, I'm shocked that I'm even letting myself do it. But I feel that the gift we were given of the pandemic, and, and I say that intentionally knowing it has that there were, you know, it was, you know, a negative and, and positive rolled into that gift. Um, I feel like I'd be doing it a disservice to force this process. Well, I feel like the direction <clears throat> that you're taking this conversation around processing really grief and, and being in the, I don't know is I'm so grateful that you, that this is kind of the direction because I feel like just to bring it back a little bit to you know, the spirit of this metaphor that I was introducing earlier about kind of vertical and horizontal alignment. I mean, you're really speaking to the need for um, a kind of contemplative reconciliation in terms of grief. And, you know, we think about, you know, our practices being a specific thing, you know, I meditate and I sit with my mantra or whatever, but also being able to engage and develop a spaciousness around these very real, um, you know, uh, reactions or ramifications of, of what took place is so hugely important. And, and I also love that you kind of connected that, that process with also the fact that from that, right, from creating the conditions through which we can process and 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 relate to, identify and make sense of our own grief, that from that creativity arises. But it's such an important part of the process, right, that rather than to just, you know, sort of manically try to sort of push all of that aside and then rush into the next idea, right? And so I think it's, I mean, it's like, it's an it's maybe a non-intuitive when we think about oh we're going to have this conversation around yoga business to to go directly there but i think it's the right direction to go because we haven't as a community really created space for grief around these things i mean i don't know of many spaces where these kinds of conversations around like the world was the yoga world was decimated and if you were invested in it as much as you were and many people were you know like i when you were talking about the 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 running around i mean i was a full time yoga teacher in new york for almost 10 years and i lived that you know like you're maybe teaching 3 hours a day but your commute between studio upper you know on the upper west side and like one in bushwick <laughs> is going to take up you know 75% of your day and you know then you get home and all you have space for is like a martini and a cigarette on your balcony you know <laughs> um, i'm letting i'm uh, sharing mention yeah so so but um and, and yeah, and I mean, even though that was unsustainable, like you said, and I think you're right that it was, if I was to sit, I was exhausted as so many people who live that life were. Um, and so it did need to change, 
but also like with anything, even what, you know, it comes with good and bad and that world in some sense is, is gone. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm here in the city now, you know, you know, there used to be 10 thriving yoga studios in town, you know, that each had their own ecosystem, their own community, you know, classes, events, like there was a social, you know, we were social, right? I would go, I would be in a different studio a couple nights a week, you know, and it was, so it was that layer of um, friendship, you know, and, and community. And that's also really, everybody just got spun out and that was happening around the world. You know, I mean, there were people, I mean, it was just, it's, it's literally unrecognizable an entire way of life. And, and I came up through it. So, you know, I think it is something really worth, really worth, you know, speaking into the space, what, what was, you know, the difference between what was and and where it is now, because it's, it is, it's truly remarkable. And I think it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to come back in the same way. Mm. Um, I really, I really don't. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's going to come back in the same way. And I know, you know, there's some countries um, that didn't get (laughs) decimated the same way that, you know, we did here in the U.S. Um, But yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's the, the thinking, the tie between grief and creativity, I actually got from um, a client named Diane Malaspina. She's a personal growth uh, coach. And so we were talking because I was talking with her last winter. I think I usually go into big goal setting and visioning and um, business assessment, what worked and what didn't from the prior year and taking those things and moving them forward and all that good stuff Um, at the end of the year, you know, going into the the coming year. And I was stuck. I was stuck. I did the assessment, but then I was like, I couldn't really set my goals. And I asked Diane, I go, you know, this, what does this mean? And she was like, well, there's a, you know, you haven't stopped. You Mm -hmm. haven't taken, you haven't stopped to process everything that you've been through. So you almost get to like max capacity and you're either going to stay on autopilot because that's the thing that doesn't require you to do the thinking and the imagining, right? But if you want to reimagine, create something new, you have to have space for it. You have to have space for it. And you also have to have energy for it. And as you said, we were tired before. And I don't know about your COVID, but like mine was exhausting, even though I was able to, to emotionally exhausting, you know, maybe I physically wasn't going around and doing as many things, but just the emotional burden of what, what we've, what we've been through, um, because creating something new requires so much energy and stamina yeah. you know you've built something from scratch like you know you know what that takes so um yeah mm. it's been real <laughs> yeah i love how real this is so i just want to kind of maybe pause and uh recognize those of you in the audience and and just maybe offer an opportunity to you know, based on these reflections and your own process of, of grief or insights or, or experiences that you've had perhaps may, um, uh, creating space for this process um, or not, you know, and, and, and I just wanted to oper- offer an opportunity to either ask a question now of Ava. Um, I forgot to mention at the beginning that we will have a Q&A, if, um, you know, insofar as there are questions <laughs> 
So if you do have some questions that are arising for you, please um, uh, throw them in the chat now, or if you have reflections, you know, kind of inspired or um, uh, inspired by some of the things that Ava is saying, please do feel um, welcome to, to share those in the chat so we can get that sort of sense of, of community spirit here. Um, so yes, love comments um, uh, uh, about grief of lost community. Yeah, that really is. That, and that's that's something that we're, we weren't really speaking to directly, but I feel like is, well, you spoke a little bit about it, but is really um, an important one. And to some degree, I feel like at Embodied Philosophy, we've been trying in the last year, especially to, to create a community space. We launched this virtual space as a part of our membership platform um, as a way to bring people together. But it's not really the same, right? Then as coming together at, at a studio and seeing like that person who you, even if you never speak to them, you know, sharing space with that person that you see every night at the 7.30 PM class with, I don't know, Rima or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is that, that loss of community is really, is, is um, it's sad. It's a really, it's a, it's a hard thing to kind of reconcile oneself with. Mm -hmm. Um being in the oh three practical things um oh yes so um so yeah so again ask any questions or share if you'd like but um i wanted to ask you ava now about um uh, some of the questions i had for you is you know based on kind of this you know we're talking about um this space of grief that we are honoring and 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 um you know, using our contemplative practices as a way to, as a tool for acknowledging and relating to that in some way. Um, but then what are some, you know, beyond that, assuming we've given ourselves that space, we are in a creative space to, to sort of step into kind of a, a new kind of practical phase of our business professional lives. Um, what are three considerations that you think um, professionally or practically, yoga teachers should be kind of uh, thinking about right now. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. You know, it's again, it's this huge opportunity, you know, to to create and I'm in my liminal space and also like thrilled with what's coming because I know it's going to be amazing because we're going to we are inspired and we will be, we will re-resource ourselves and we'll get out there and we'll create, right, what's coming. So it's it's an exciting time. And I think um, from a practical lens, like a few of the things I think are important from a yoga business um, lens for teachers to be thinking about, the first is uh, what I call contingency planning. And this comes out of that pause, that, that time that you're taking to, um, to reflect on what's lost, what's been lost. But there was also some great lessons that were learned about your business, right, in, um, throughout the past couple of years. So a lot of the things that happened, right, to my business during COVID were technically things I had already observed could potentially be dangerous, right? Could potentially create um, instability within my business. COVID just took the, put everything on, you know, on steroids. Um, but there are lessons learned. There were business lessons that were learned throughout the past couple of years that I think are really important to build protections in for yourself, right? Moving forward. 
So for instance, I can give a real practical example for our business, um, you know, because we were booking and touring folks around the world, we would um, only take payment once the teacher returned from their trip, right? So mm -hmm. let's say I booked Jacob, he's going to go to London. I'm going to book him. We were booking like 18 months in advance, right? So I'm going to send Jacob to London next uh, April and I'm working now, right? My team is working now this April on all of the logistics and the negotiating, all of the things of marketing, right? That are required to get him there. But in my old world, I wasn't making any money until Jacob got back, right? Yeah. From that trip. Now, what we learned the hard way is what if Jacob never makes the trip, mm -hmm. right? Because we've already spent admin money, spent time and resources on the planning phase now. Right. So that was something that I learned. So if after I come out of my liminal <laughs> space and I start booking teachers again, how can I prevent myself against putting myself right back into the same place, right? And creating running the business in a way that's still risky, right? That was that was that's risky for me. And I've learned it now the hard way. So a practical way that you could solve for that would be to make sure that you're getting an admin, right, an administrative fee for the work in the time that you're doing the work, as well as a commission, right, when the work is successful. That's a really practical example for me, but the point is, what did you learn the hard way and what can you do about it in your business now and in your future business to protect against it in the future? Contingency planning, right? Don't look don't skip over the stuff that you learn the hard way because it's really valuable. And if we've learned anything, you know that everything is possible. Everything that could possibly go wrong can go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Don't forget that because it makes you build your business better and safer. If you think about it, <laughs> it's like thinking about the divorce, right? When you're getting married. You don't want to think about the things that are going to go wrong, but COVID gave us a gift of showing us that even the smartest minds, the most anticipatory minds, the plan A, B, and C, and D people, it can all go wrong. It can all go wrong. So use that. Pull out a few lessons that you learned um, and use them to, to really um, set yourself up safer, right, moving forward. Because a lot of us have areas of our business that are risky. So that's number one. Um, number two, creating stability. So one of the things that was really important for me, um, one of the important lessons that I learned through, through the past couple of years was really that I deserve to have more stability within my, um, my business. Mm. Meaning as an entrepreneur, I was self-generating everything, right? Every Every dollar that that I earned from 2010 until 2020, I I earned it myself, right? Shocking, right? That I mean, it's a miracle. You know, when I think about it, I'm like, wow, how did you do that? How did you make it, right? But it was a lot of um, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. You know, having to constantly self generate, and so of course, you put all the beautiful entrepreneurial benefits, perks you know, make you be your own boss, travel, everything. It's, I would, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change any of it. And I think that 
because COVID taught us that everything that can go wrong <laughs> just might, right? <laughs> I've also gotten a job this year, right? I, I took on, um, I did one really wonderful year-long consulting project with the Yoga Alliance, um, building out a, um, some business tools. And then I just knew, you know, go, you know, and I, and it, it's interesting because I know I get a lot of requests from teachers. Like, oh, how can I be a full-time teacher? I just can't wait to get rid of my job. And I just, just want to yeah. teach full-time. And I always said, don't quit your day job because I know that it, at least this is the pre-COVID advice, right? I, I would always say, don't quit your day job. It's a six to 10 year build. If you want to become, and of course, everybody's definition and, and lifestyle is different, right? So some folks need a different dollar amount at the end of the year to have to be living the way that they want to. Um, but I would always say don't quit your day job because I knew that it took six to 10 years to get to where you're going. And, but, but now knowing that, that how unstable, unstable things really can be, I really encourage people to find a, a way to create more stability for themselves. Mm. Right. So whether that's partnering with, um, a company taking on some kind of stable work. You know, a lot of us weren't, um, I'm talking about 401ks, you guys, I'm talking about the practical right, shit, practical shit. And, and, you know, most of us bit the, bit the health and took care of the health insurance thing a few years ago, but, you know, we deserve to be resourced as we, as we do this work in the world. And so if that means you need to have a job, a company that can support you, right? You can still hustle, right? We can still have the side hustle. I'm rocking Yama, mm -hmm. but it's after hours and on the weekends right now. And I am so proud that I let myself, because I deserve it. I deserve to be resourced properly. So creating stability um, in your business, I think in your life, Right. I was also just like, <laughs> I mean, it was what it was, it was insane, you know? Um, so that's, that's my second tip is, is to not be afraid, like allow yourself to create some stability and to expect for yourself that, you know, you'll have some of the regular trappings, you know, of, um, of any other profession, right. Of any other, of any other profession. Mm. So do I have time to do the third one? Yes, please. Okay. Loving this. Okay. So the third practical consideration, and this one is really, um, I'm really vibing with this one right now, but I put leveraging resources. Hmm. So one of the things that I am seeing, um, and if you think about what we described, like people getting spun out, communities getting broken, leveraging resources is also like a community uh, task, right? It's like a community function that's happening. And so basically what leveraging resources means, I think before COVID, we were, or the, the, the teachers could be quite independent, right? I'm building my business. I am this, I am that, right? All of these, you know, a million independent folks, which is great, right? Do your thing, build your, build your business, give back, you know, it's all good. But I think right now we need to act more as a, we, we mm -hmm. need to be more, um, 
generous with each other and more free with opportunities, whether, and I know it's a little bit like people might be like, but things are broken right now and it's really hard, but leveraging resources, whether that's opportunities, um, contacts, connections, um, like take somebody's hand because we need, we need each other right now. And I, and I, you know, even the most success, you know, successful independent folks, like everybody's business is different right now. And so I'm just really feeling like the networking, the leveraging, the coming together, like even that's how I got here. Right. I was, um, Onika put my name on your radar, right? Onika, I just practiced with her last week, you know, and, um, very, that's generous, right? To put somebody else's name forth for an opportunity. And I trust her. So, right. I did. I'm great. If Monika thinks this is the right thing for me, I'm going to hop on with Jacob, like, let's do this. And so I really encourage us. I think maybe before where we were, folks could be a little bit exclusive, you know, kind of keeping things to themselves. Like let's, let's work together. Like we just, we have to work we have to work together right now. So I think there's a big practical sense. And I know that all of you, if you think about what's going on in your day-to-day life, that there are more ways to be, to, to share resources, Mm. that there are more ways to share resources. I really think it's important right now with where we're at. Wow, Ava, you just <laughs> so much value in those last three. I think that was fantastic. I think I can probably speak for most people here when I say that was, I mean, I gained so much from that. And I love that you ended with this, um, this point about sharing resources and also networking and connecting with others, because I, I think you're right. And I've, I've, even in conversations that I have with people about other platforms, you know, other yoga platforms that are doing sort of similar things or who have featured teachers that we've featured before. There's this question that comes up about, you know, like competition and the sense of scarcity emerges. And I think there's something embedded in us, you know, right? I don't know if it's biological or something, but we we feel this fear around, around scarcity and around, you know, other people, you know, taking opportunities from us. And I feel like in in so many instances, what you actually find is that the opposite is true, actually. If you collaborate, if you work with others, in a way, the sea rises all ships. And and you never know what kinds of creative emergences are going to arise as a result of different types of collaboration. And so, and I think that fear, right, is actually where we, you know, we need to create some space around that within our own contemplative mm-hmm. practices and, and really see sort of the illusory nature of that and how actually that motivates us into these silos of thinking and silos of, of perspective that um, that actually do us a disservice, they do our community a disservice and, um, and the future of yoga a disservice as well. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you that you talked about that. I think it's such an important point. Um, if you are okay with with sticking with me for a few more minutes, I was thinking maybe we could go till five to the hour. Yeah, five till, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If that works. Yeah. So thank you all so much for sharing a little bit. Um, I might not have 
the opportunity to go through all of this, uh, but I really appreciate and I hope those of you who are are here watching and who are here listening are, are reading some of the comments um, that we're getting in, in the chat. It's really beautiful to that you're all sharing your experiences. Um, if you do have a question, a direct question for Ava, um, uh, go ahead and ask it now so we can get that. Um, uh, we can ask before the next 10 minutes are up. I am going to ask one question I think arises out of this or rather um, is connected to this larger conversation about um, what to do in terms of the future of yoga business as an existing teacher. But then there's also this whole, you know, cadre of folks who are, still want to be yoga teachers. And so my question is, I guess, two-pronged. One is, um, what would you say to those who are looking to get into the business of yoga now? Is it too late? <laughs> is it, you know, is it too hard? Like, I mean, obviously it's a really challenging context now by comparison to when we started, for example, where there were just so many more yoga studios. So what would you say to those who want to become yoga teachers? And then also I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, this is sort of a separate question, but I'll ask it now anyway, just for in the instant, in the interest of time. Um, but I'm curious what you think about the continuation of so many yoga teacher trainings as being cash cows for yoga businesses when there actually isn't the opportunities, business opportunities for teachers that mm -hmm. still exist in the space. Okay. First of all, yay. <laughs> there should have, you know, Yay, like we need new teachers, right? We're, we're, um, and I think, you know, one of the things that's exciting about that structure that existed being broken is that that was also, you know, a bright pro and con. So if a set career path existed before that doesn't exist now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to follow it and wait in line, right? So it's not too late, I don't think, for anybody who's just getting in the business by any means. It's actually way more of an open time to create because you don't have Jacob who's already been in the game for how long in front of you, right? To, to, to you know, to kind of, to move through, right? So it's very um, uh, um, malleable, right? There's a lot that can, that the things, opportunities are open, that the hierarchies are, are don't exist anymore for in a lot of, um, for a lot of intensive purposes. So I'm going to start with the second question first. It's a little easier. Um, the teacher trainings, I think the issue with the teacher trainings is not the teacher trainings and how many teachers they're putting out. I think it's the fact that they're not explaining what the world for these new teachers is going to be like and giving them any tools to navigate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what happens is folks come out and have no idea. They have an expectation that's unrealistic, right, about what their career prospects are going to be. Um, and they have no tools to use to help build their business if they've been given any business content at all in teacher training. So right. this is not a plug, right. um, but it, but it, but it is, I've, I've always asked and suggested whether it's my content or someone else who's uh, experienced in helping teachers build businesses to make sure that that content is included in the teacher trainings and make sure that your trainees know what you will and will not do for them with regards to their businesses yes. and don't and knowing right that they're going to be on their own the day they leave that graduation right so that I think is the real issue I don't think that it's 
that there's too many teachers and that those teachers cannot become working teachers. I don't think that that's it at all. I don't believe in saturation. I don't think that the market has created, there's some thing and there's like so many teachers and no place to teach. It's not, I don't think, I don't believe that at all. I think people don't know what to expect and they don't know how to start building their businesses when they come out. That's the biggest problem. Mm -hmm. um, and there are tools and resources. Some of them are, are part of um, the content that I share as well. Um, so it's not too late. And I think for folks who are looking to get started, what I suggest, um, I think it's really important to talk to other teachers in your community who are further along on the path of teaching than you are. And even though COVID broke everything, right, and we're recreating it, it doesn't mean, again, right, a reimagined business doesn't mean it's not going to have anything to do with what we had before, right? But we'll be doing it differently. It will look different. But again, I always encourage folks who are getting started to go and find out what it's really like. And we fall in love with yoga and we go sign up for a teacher training. We're not thinking about anything practical <laughs> at that point, usually, right? So find Jacob, find someone who's seasoned in your community and ask them, what it was like to get to this point in their career. Because again, it's almost all the time, people just have no idea what to expect. And that's where the disenchantment comes from. That's where the lack of stamina comes from. I mean, if you know coming out of teacher training that it's a six year path before you're going to have enough clients, have enough experience, um, have you know created enough opportunity for yourself, right? To be able to, earn a certain amount of income, right? You can, you're okay with it because you know that's what it is versus coming out and just having no clue what's happening. So I think find someone that you can talk to about what the world, the professional world of yoga is really like. Um, it doesn't have to be someone in your community, but if, you know, you, you'd be surprised how many folks are willing and, and, excited and honored to talk about what they're what they've learned the hard way and what their trials and tribulations are and where their wins are um but anytime you know if the option is going out there on your own and doing it with no clue <laughs> and learning everything the hard way I think that that's uh you can be a little smarter and savvier for yourself um about that so I think get some perspective um on what on what's happening um is definitely where I suggest that that folks start and I also think, um, you know, part of that is clarifying what success is going to mean for yourself, right? So a lot of folks come out and, you know, I think it's okay to have financial goals. I, you know, please, because you'll never make the money that you want to make if you don't know what the money amount of money is, right? And this is not something that we normally think about with a professional career teaching yoga, right? You go to medical school, you invest in your medical degree and your medical training, you're, you're coming out expecting you're going to make a six-figure income, right? Because you've invested in it. And we can also think about our businesses that way. I have seen teachers and this is there. I have teachers, tons of teachers that I know that are making six-figure incomes. Some of them, you know, you know, or, or maybe a household name, but many of them aren't. Many of them just got really clear on how much money they wanted to be making, got really clear on the services that they wanted to offer, 
and started building their business, building their context. Do you know? I mean, it's all possible. I have seen firsthand people start at zero followers, start fresh out of teacher training and build fully thriving yoga businesses for themselves. But it started with a point of, of clarity in well, what do I want, right? Which takes us all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. Which takes us all the way back to the beginning, right? What do I want? Clarifying mm. the dream, right? Clarifying your dreams into goals. Beautiful. That's such a wonderful note to end on. And so I just want to honor you here, Ava, and say thank you so much gratitude to you for sharing your insights and perspectives. It's been such an interesting conversation. Um, for those that are asking a couple questions, uh, I apologize that we won't have time to get to them, but I will offer Ava now. Uh, Ava, do you want to um, share a little bit about how people can get in touch with you or where they can find you in case they want to uh, follow up with you in some way? Sure. Thank you. And again, I'm honored and thrilled to be having this conversation. Like it feels like a moment, um, a real turning point um, for all of us. So I'm grateful to be here. You all can keep up with me on yamatalent.com. So www.yamatalent.com. Um, don't judge the website. We're getting ready to re <laughs> once I'm out of the liminal space, I'm going to rebuild everything. Um, but please keep in touch there. And I also have a book coming out in October with human kinetics called yoga business. So all of these tools, you know, basically what I've done is sort of written like one part memoir on all of the things and adventures and trials and tribulations over the past 10 years of running the company and working with uh, my roster of yoga teachers in their real businesses in the real world. And there's literally tools, calculators, worksheets, like all of the things that we really use to run um, our business and also the businesses of the teachers that we represent. So keep mm. an eye out for that. I'm really excited about it. And um, it'll be the first yoga business book out post COVID. So um, I think a great resource, um, again, as we like take the best of what we knew from before and marry it with um, the opportunity that we have and the creativity, hopefully that we'll, we'll be ready for, you know, at that point. So yeah, keep in touch. Uh, thank you so much, Ava. Thank you everyone for, for sticking around. Thank you everyone.